Stone Pillar Podcast, a conversation that revolves around the teaching ministry of South Paris Baptist Church in South Paris, Maine. I am your guest, Dane Sampson. And I'm Brian Wilbur. As we uh, begin our second episode, I just want to open in prayer. You know, it's interesting uh, when the Apostle Paul was writing, uh, I I think it's Timothy. I think it's his second letter to Timothy. He told Timothy to think about these things, you know, that Paul was writing to Timothy. Think about these things, and the Lord will give you understanding. And it's just a, it's just a powerful instruction that we are called to think, meditate, discuss, ponder uh, God's Word. And yet, at the end of the day, we are dependent upon the Lord for giving us understanding. And that's what we want. We, we want understanding for ourselves, and we want understanding for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's just, let's just acknowledge our dependence upon the Lord, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll go from there. Father, uh, we, we do acknowledge our dependence upon you. You are the all-wise God. And apart from you, we have no true wisdom or understanding of our own. So we just ask that that through your word and through fellowship around the scriptures that you would give us and others understanding that we might grow and be strengthened in our walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, Brian, um, where did the name for the podcast come from, the name Stone Pillar. What was the basis for that inspiration? Well, we had been, uh, recently we had been in Genesis chapter 28, and, you know, we're going to be starting this podcast, so we kind of, you know, need a name for the podcast. And the, the first name, one of the first names that was thrown out uh was interesting, but I don't think really cut it as a name. And in Genesis chapter 28, let's see, Genesis chapter 28, verses 18 through 22, Jacob's, uh, Jacob set up a stone as a pillar, which was to represent God's house. And so really, I, I, I liked the phrase stone pillar. And it it was inspired by, by, I mean, I got it from this text. It's interesting because in the text that we just looked at this past Sunday from Genesis chapter uh, 31, Jacob set up a stone as a pillar again in the context of covenant making with with Laban. But uh, there's there's no like deeper significance about the name other than the fact that stone pillar is just a simple, strong, name. Uh, and it's, it's like, I think that'll work. 
However, if you do want to dig into it a little bit, I th- which I'm not going to dig into it a lot, but but just uh, it, it's helpful. A couple of things. One is we will always be able to easily remember that we were studying the life of Jacob when we began this podcast. And and, and the other thing is, you know, stone pillar, uh, you know, which was to represent God's house, Bethel, the house of God, is really rich in terms of biblical context. You know, of course, Jesus is the ultimate house of God, the, the, the temple, the meeting place between sinful man and holy God. But also, as you get into the New Testament, we, we realize that the church, you know, believers, the, the, the church is God's household. The church is the, the, the pillar and buttress of the truth. And, and so, you know, we, we want to we dwell within God's house. Uh, it's his house, it's his truth, it's his ways, and we want to dwell within that house and see it built and, 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 and strong and bearing good fruit. So that's the story behind the name, Stone, Stone Pillar Podcast. Uh, now, uh, Dane, as you, as you often do, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're very interactive with the sermon and with the sermon text, uh, this past Sunday, we, we looked at Genesis 31.1 to 32.1. 56 verses covered a lot of ground as, as Jacob was leaving Haran and bidding farewell to his father-in-law Laban. Uh, and I just want to ask you, uh, what lines of thought, either from the sermon itself or from the sermon text, uh, would you like to pursue what like what stood out to you and and what do you want to reflect on well there's a number of things that are really interesting um one thing that really jumped out to me was that we have some archaeology that complements the passage that we went through on on sunday um and uh, it's not necessarily well known or often talked about but in i think it was the 1920s somewhere in that time there was an archaeological dig up in northern iraq near kirkuk and they discovered what is called the nuzi tablets the nuzi tablets were clay tablets written in cuneiform um they the they dated to somewhere in the ballpark of like 1450 bc um which is an interesting thing because a lot of the things that are recorded on the nuzi tablets we see in the narrative of Genesis, um, even though the stories in Genesis occurred many, many years prior, like to kind of set the timeline, um, like what they're proposing these tablets were documents from 1450. Um, the speculation is that, the belief is that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were like 2000 BC. So that you would have had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then you had 400 years in Egypt, and then you'd have Exodus and Joshua, the exile and the conquest, uh, 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 the Exodus and the, the conquest um, under Moses and Joshua, I meant to say. The, that's kind of the time frame when these cuneiform tablets were, were written down. And the ideas that they document obviously would have predated their, their, their recording. Um, but a lot of it was like administrative stuff concerning property rights concerning adoption rights, concerning marriage, and just records spanning six generations that pertain to things that, like what we see with Laban searching for his idols. So with the Newsy tablets and the information that they provide, we would look at, the, we would look at those idols and we'd see them as 
as being probably effigies of departed ancestors that would be carved in, a, in an age prior to the writing form and, and written documents. In that age, they would carve an effigy, and that would be the evidence and the proof for um, your, your offspring to claim territory, to claim your land. So if you died, um, the Newsy tablets make it clear that if a person owning land passes away, the possessor of the idols, which are the, the ancestors of that family, would have access to that land. So if Jacob possessed the idols, he would have a legal right to claim Laban's land. So this would create the precedence for Laban to be in a great deal of distress that these, like essentially the deed to his house, um, the title to his car, and all of his earthly possessions had just been absconded with and had gone missing. This was you know, a, a significant catastrophe worth pursuing and, and, and rounding up a significant number of men. It's kind of interesting that like Jacob walked away with many sheep, probably many shepherds, and he was probably a, quite the, like a tribe unto his own when he left. Um, and he was then pursued by Laban, and Laban would have had to bring with him resources to be able to legitimately threaten Jacob and say, I, all that you have is mine, and I could take it if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. For him to say that, he would have to have brought with him, like, essentially like a small army of, of men mm -hmm. willing to, to claim back what he thought was rightfully his. Mm -hmm. um, Jacob, however, clearly from the text had no knowledge of these idols being stolen. We don't have any clues as to why Rachel in the text would have stolen them. Um, but the fact that she sat on them and hid them from Laban is so interesting and telling. Um, eh, without reading into it too much, when a woman, if she was being truthful about being, on, uh, being in that cycle of the month, if she was being truthful, she was making the idols unclean. Now they are unclean. They are no longer fit for sacred service. They're no longer fit um, to be uh, honored and esteemed because they have now been defiled. Mm -hmm. So if that was the case, now she's defiled these things that are the record, making them no longer a record, almost like expunging their, their validity. Um, if, she was, if she was lying, she demonstrated that the idols had no power, not, no power to affect their own rescue, their own discovery, or, or any of those things. So with the archaeology and, and, the, and the history from that time and, and that region, what, what I'm seeing from the text is that we've got God using the culture and using the legal beliefs and the, and the understanding that they had to illustrate that he is the sole benefactor. Amen. And that um, idols like Jacob's wealth would not be accredited to ancestors, um, to these idols, these powerless, powerless to save themselves, powerless to prevent... Um, someone from sitting on them <laughs> or to be absconded with. Um, they were shown to be not worth mm -hmm. worship. Um, and I think it's really just important that we realize that God is that sole benefactor. He is the one from whom all good things come. And that he just like really is kind of underlining that with like cultural bullet points that this is who I am Jacob's blessings are based upon 
my blessings and what I've given him. And he says that. He says that, like, all these things that I have, Jacob says, all these things that I have is because God has blessed me with these things. He doesn't give any credit to any of the ancestors or the, the cultural icons of his day. He, he has got a different worldview that is distinct from the people around him, even Laban, who is supposed to be like family, flesh and blood. And like, you know, 120 years earlier, we had uh, uh, Abraham's servant going to get uh, Rachel as a bride for Isaac. And, and they were sent away with blessings and peace and encouragement. And what a different contrast we get with Laban. Like he is trying to, he shows up to Jacob and he says, yeah, all that, everything you have is mine. That's mine, that's mine, that's mine. And he claims all of it as his own. And he doesn't give God credit for these blessings that he is also benefiting from. Um, and I just found that to be it's such a curiosity that here he is searching for these inanimate objects and he is failing to see that, and, and I think in this interaction, maybe he gets clues to this, that Jacob is uniquely blessed by God. And God has said to Jacob, I am with you. Mm -hmm. um, and that brings into us a few things like how we as believers and, and Christians, how do we have a biblical um, worldview of our ancestors and our, and our family heritage? Because we're given commands like, you should honor your father and your mother, and it will be well with you in the land in which you go to inherit. Uh, honoring of your father and your mother, that's your first ancestors. So you, we, are, we are instructed to honor them, and through honoring them, God blesses us. But there is, there is a realm where that honor gets pushed into an esteem that robs God of his glory. And how do we draw that line? Where, where is that, that boundary between giving rightful honor to our predecessors and giving wrongful esteem that should rightfully go to God. I was just, uh, John the Baptist just came to mind because uh, he, if I remember correctly, as some of the religious leaders were, you know, were, were, were coming uh, out, out to him when he was, you know, baptizing people in the River Jordan, um, you know, he, he, he confronted, he confronted them uh, warning them not to take comfort, not to find security in the fact that they were children of Abraham, uh, you know, according to the flesh. Uh, ultimately, we have to reckon with the one true and living God. He, he holds title to heaven and earth, right? He, sa he, says, he says to the Israelites in Exodus chapter 19, all the earth is mine. And Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that he has appointed his son, Christ, as the heir of all things. You know, and, and if we're in Christ, we share in that inheritance. But in the, but in the meantime, you know, this side of eternity, the Lord, you know, you could say he, he, he loans. <laughs> it's probably not the best word, but he, 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 he gives... Uh, whatever he wants to whomever he wants. So he, he, he'll, he'll, he'll take the land of Canaan, 
in due course and hand it over to the children of Israel. It's 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 not in, it was not in the power of the Canaanite gods to stop the one true and living God from doing that. And so we always have to always have to make sure that our that our well, yeah, we do want to honor our parents and we want to have respect for our heritage. Our fundamental loyalty must be first and foremost to the Lord. Right. Yeah, Jesus said, um, I'm, re- I'm remembering Jesus saying that you know, if one does not hate his father and mother, he cannot be my disciple. And I don't think hate there means like hate, I want to murder my father and mother. That would be a horrible thing. But I think it's uh, meant dramatically to make the point, to illustrate how important it is to be of a single mind about where our blessings come from, even the blessings that our father and mother might bestow upon us mm-hmm. through their honor. The, the, the blessing of it will be well with you in the land which you go to inherit. Um, your, your father and your mother don't, they're not the ones who control that blessing. You know, in Ephesians, it's like you will live long in the land. That's not, the, your parents have no say in that, really. Like that is God giving that blessing according to his good pleasure. Um, And uh, he is a sole benefactor and his, the inheritance that he gives, and I really, I think that's what it is, is where where does my inheritance come from? Does my inheritance, my true inheritance come through my family lineage? Or does my true inheritance come through the kingdom of heaven and its king? And um, I think that it's clear in this area, in this what we're talking about in Genesis with Jacob, God is making it clear that Jacob's inheritance transcends the earthly. Jacob's inheritance is a kingdom of heaven inheritance that is completely unique from and independent from anything that Laban can do. Laban can try and hold him down, and him holding him down will only cause God to lift him up more, and his power is worthless to discourage God's blessing in Jacob's life. Thou mine inheritance. I think I think yeah. those words come from the hymn, Be Thou My Vision. Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely, it's awesome. What, what good stuff, you know, there's so many things in this passage. What things did you not include in the sermon? What, what would you... Well, I'd like, to, I'd like to mention one thing in particular that I did not include in the sermon. Uh, as a contrast, it, it actually... It actually came up in discussion in Monday school uh, a couple of weeks ago, but it, it, there's a really helpful contrast with Laban. So, so in the law, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, God is giving instruction to his people, and what is envisioned there, this is in Deuteronomy 15, verses 12 to 18, and what's envisioned there is that a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman who uh, would have been in economic distress and becomes a bondservant of uh, in another household under another under a you know a Hebrew master, and so they would be part of the household. the The bondservant would be part of the household for six years, hmm. and in the and in the seventh year they would be released. And God commanded his people, God commanded the man who was in position of master to generously, willingly 
and liberally furnish the departing bondservant with with furnishings and provisions out of his out of his out of his flock out of his threshing floor and out of his wine press mm. and so the the bondservant was not to depart empty-handed but the bondservant was to depart uh with with you know his hands full of blessing from the master and and that that affords us a, a, a kind of a striking contrast with Laban. Jacob had served Laban for 20 years. And of course, that, that predated the law. So there, there was, I mean, they weren't bound by the, by the particular form of the Mosaic law. But the point is, is that Jacob served Laban and served Laban faithfully and productively for 20 years. And yet, Laban was so self-absorbed that if it had been left to him, he would have he would have sent Jacob, his son-in-law, the the husband to his daughters, the father to his grandchildren. He would have sent his son-in-law Jacob away empty-handed. Mm. And what a what a striking contrast! God God commands love and generosity and large-heartedness and God commands that we desire to see our neighbor flourish, a departing servant flourish, a departing son-in-law flourish. We want to set them up for success. And here is Laban so constricted and, 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 and small-hearted and, and, and simply not walking in the way of love, which just, just, just demonstrated that, you know, Laban... Laban was not really living in the good of the Lord, in the generosity of the Lord, in the, in the love of the Lord. Laban was lost in his own little small-hearted world. Hmm. And we can, you know, we can ask the question, uh, what, are, what, are, you know, what are we like? Because Jesus said to lay up treasure in heaven. Uh, you know, where, where, where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Well, you, you might ask, well, how do you lay up treasure in heaven? Well, one of the ways that we lay up treasure in heaven is that we willingly, generously, and liberally use our resources, whether they are many or few, but to generously use our resources uh, in 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 pursuit of God's purposes, to 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 care for human beings, to advance the cause of the gospel, to to practice hospitality, to 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 promote uh, fellowship and ministry within and through the church. When we when we do those things, when we de deploy our resources in ways that honor God, we are laying up treasure in heaven. Yeah. Amen. So, so, th so that was, that was, so that was one, so that was one good thing that, that, you know, didn't make it into the sermon, but I think it's, I think it's a really helpful for us to, to see that. Now, as you and I were, uh, corresponding about this podcast episode today, uh, we didn't correspond a lot, but just, just a little bit to touch base and kind of figure out where we're going in this episode. Uh, both of us, uh, well, e each of us had 
what I think is a, a very specific pastoral application that flows out of the, the Genesis 31 uh, sermon text. And so I, I'm going to invite you to go first and just kind of, you know, share that line of thought with, with our, our, our listeners, because I think it's, it's just very pastorally wise and helpful. Okay, I'll do that. <clears throat> yeah, excuse me. I, um, <clears throat> I saw an interesting pattern uh, between, uh, I, would, I would juxtapose two different phrases, and I'm going to compare them to each other, and that is, and they seem, they're, they're pretty much syn synonyms, but there is a slight distinction that I, I see in the text and in the vocabulary of the text, and that is the difference between seeking and searching. Um, first, we see uh, Laban is searching. He is, he is searching through the tent. He is searching through the furniture. He is questioning uh, his daughter about his, his lost idols. And we, we mentioned earlier how, why, why that could be culturally so imperative that he finds these things. Um, but he is searching for his Elohim. That is what he is looking for. With, with every fiber of his being, he is, he is at great expense. He has moved the men of his camp to go and search and rescue his Elohim, his household gods. And we have that in the passage juxtaposed with Jacob, who he did not have to search for his God. His God said to him in the dream, I am with you. No searching is necessary. What is required of you, Jacob, is that you seek after me. And we are commanded to seek after um, our, our God, just like Jacob is, as, as members of his family, as disciples of Christ. We have this, um, this great calling to seek after him and to walk, into his, in, uh, walk in his footsteps and to be imitators of Christ. And we don't have to search for God. God has said to us, I am with you, now seek after me. And I found that to be just really interesting in this passage, how we've got a living Elohim that does not need to be searched for. And we've got household Elohim that can be misplaced. Yeah. And... and People may not immediately uh, think of what they're searching for as, as they're, like they're searching for gods or idols or whatever. But the fact of the matter is that sinful mankind, in our sinfulness, we, we search, we chase for comfort, we chase for security, we chase for knowledge, we chase for an advantage. Uh, we, we chase to, to know the future, to, 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 to hedge our bets, to secure our fortunes, to you, you, all that stuff. That, that is, you, you know, that's what sinful mankind does. And the search is ultimately in vain. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we might have the illusion of short-term success. Hey, you know, I found, my, I found my idols. Life is going well for me. Uh, hey, I got, a, I, got a, I got a pay raise. Life is going well for me. But ultimately, all of those pursuits, uh, if we're finding comfort, security, knowledge, you know, uh, uh, 
confidence in the future, if we're finding those things somewhere other than in the Lord, then we're, our search is ultimately going to turn up empty. And if we don't get it straightened out before the last day, when we stand before the Lord in judgment, those, those gods, those idols that we had put our confidence in, they will be totally unable to help us when we stand before the living God in judgment. So we really need to get it straightened out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what you were saying is absolutely right. The, 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 the message of the gospel is not, hey, you need to, you need to, to prosecute this, this great and sophisticated search in order to find the Lord. Uh, Paul said in his sermons to, sermon to the Athenians that, you know, that the, the Lord is, he's not far off. You know, in him we live and move and have our being. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and he, ha- he has come to us. The Father sent his Son. The Word became flesh. And he announces his promise of salvation to us. And we need to heed that message. And, and, and part of that message is that in Christ, through his sacrifice and through his resurrection, God is for us, not against us. And so we have a God who comes to us. We have a God who promises to be with us, to never leave us nor forsake us, puts his own Holy Spirit within us, and and then our seeking after him, our seeking after his kingdom is a, is a response to the fact that he has sought and found us. Right. Yes. Yeah, we are the lost sheep. We are the ones who need to be found. <laughs> and if anyone and if anyone's listening today and you're really struggling with this, uh, I would encourage you to heed the words of the Old Testament uh, where God says, uh, you know, you will you will seek me and find me when you seek seek for me with your whole heart. Mm. M- make sure that you're heart is is whole w-h-o-l-e in the sense that you're you're genuinely and truly desiring the lord Hmm. ask seek knock that's right yeah and i'm reminded of the the parable of the the pearl merchant uh which i thought was would be worth mentioning and that is the the there was a merchant of pearls and he he found a pearl of great worth. And when he found this one pearl, he sold all that he had so that he could purchase it. And the kingdom of heaven is like this. All the ancestors, <laughs> the, the household Elohim, all the places of confidence in this world that we invest our faith and our, 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 our loyalty and our trust and our belief, these things will all fail us. But we have a king and a God who has said to us, I am with you even to the end of the age. Amen. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's good for me. <laughs> well, let me, let, me share, uh, let me share my pastoral application yes. uh, from, uh, from Genesis chapter 31. And there's really, there's really a, th- uh, this is thematic throughout the scriptures. Um, and I'll just I'll just start off by just just coming out and saying the, the point to my fellow believers, and the point is God sees you. Hmm. 
and this, we, 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 we encounter this, this idea earlier in Genesis chapter 16, when God, God sees Hagar, and God has listened to her affliction. But here in, in, in Genesis chapter uh, 31, the Lord says to Jacob in verse, what is it? It's in verse 12. I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. The, the Lord is speaking to Jacob, who is being mistreated by Laban. And the Lord says to Jacob, I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. And then, and then in, verses, uh, in verse 42, Jacob says, If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side... Surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. Jacob is speaking to, to Laban. And then Jacob says, God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. So, you know, just ponder that. Uh, God saw Jacob's affliction, his 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 you know, his, his, his trials and, and suffering, specifically those challenges related to dealing with his, his father-in-law, uh, his father-in-law Laban. God not only saw Jacob's affliction, God also saw the labor of Jacob's hands. And I think sometimes we would run away from that concept because if we, we might, we might, we might get to thinking that in the ultimate salvation sense, you know, we think about how well our salvation does not arise from the labor of our hands. So, you know, our, 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 our works are like filthy rags, that, that kind of thing. But the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that when God transforms our lives and when his Holy Spirit is continuing that, that transformation process, the Lord really does produce genuine good fruit, genuine good work, genuine profitable labor in our lives. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't miss that. If, if, if your life has been transformed by the power of the gospel and the Lord is with you and you're walking with him and you're endeavoring to be faithful in the context of your sphere of service, in a household, in a community, in a workplace, ministry, uh, whatever, God seize the labor of your hands and places value on that and actually intends to reward it. I mean, Paul, th th this idea that you, God sees you, it carries over into the New Testament also. Paul tells bond servants, this is in his letter to the Colossians, he, said, he, he tells them to, you know, to honor their earthly masters. But he tells them, don't honor your earthly masters as man pleasers, where you're just kind of you're kind of you're kind of calculating your conduct at work mm. for the eye of the earthly boss. When the foreman's on the site, and we <laughs> yeah, work hard. Yeah, right. And and, and and Paul says, no, no, no. Don't honor your earthly master that way. But recognize that actually you lowly bond servant in your ordinary labor you are serving the lord christ and 
he will reward you. So God sees his faithful, humble, lowly, often unnoticed people, unnoticed by other people, people. Uh, God, God, God sees you. God sees your affliction. God sees your lowly position. God sees your faithful labors. And that's meant to encourage you. Here in Genesis chapter 31, God saw Jacob's affliction. God saw the labor of his hands. And God acted. He took action to sustain and support Jacob in his ongoing walk with the Lord. And he took action to protect Jacob from Laban. He put Laban in his place. He, in a sense, you could say he turned the tables on Laban. Now, God will ultimately turn the tables on the last day when he publicly and forever vindicates his people and, and condemns the wicked. But even in this present life, as we read throughout the Bible, even in this present life, there are, there are moments, there are occasions when in little ways, but still significant, when the Lord turns the tables in our, in our favor. Um, and, and, and we can't force that. We, we, we wait patiently on him. We trust him. But, uh, but, but faithful mothers at home laboring to manage their households and raise up children, uh, ordinary men seeking to lead their households and going to the, going to the, to the workplace or out to the fields or into the shop, and they're hammering away, literally or metaphorically, at the work that God has given them. Um, be encouraged. The Lord is with you. The Lord sees you. The Lord values your labor. The Lord is, is, is sovereign over the Labans in your life. And he calls you to trust him, faithfully follow him wherever he is leading you to go. Just a thought. Go right ahead. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So in uh, Genesis 29, 31, and the Lord saw that Leah was unloved and he opened her womb. So no one was noticing Leah. Leah was very much like a secondary character. Yeah. And he saw the secondary character that she was being kind of ostracized and treated poorly. Yeah. And he took favor on her. Um, and I think that that's, there's, there's a pastoral application. Well, well, in that. There, there is. And, 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 and Hey, I mentioned Hagar. Hagar was, was, a, was, right. a, was very much a secondary figure. Same. Yeah. And, and I think that, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's really good. Um, because you, listen, you cannot, you, you cannot fix your comfort upon the approval and applause of other people. If, even when they are applauding you, mm -hmm. it is an illusion and a trap. Mm -hmm. But often, of course, they're not applauding you. But the, and my point is, be the kind of person for whom the applause or the lack of applause doesn't matter. <laughs> because you know that, that God, God, God has noticed. God is watching over you. God is working in your life. And if, the, if, 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 if you have the attention of the one true and living God, then, then don't make a big deal about the fact that other people aren't giving you attention. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, his attention matters. And he knows he's numbered the hairs on our head. That's right. He is like he is paying attention and working in all of these examples that we're going through, these messy, human, earthly examples. God is right there. And we're getting into passages in the future where, you know, Jacob, you know, he wrestles with God. Yeah. That's coming right yeah. up. And it's like God, he, you know, so many things that we've talked about this morning, but kind of what I'm getting from this is that the, the blessings, the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven are inaccessible to us. We can't climb up to heaven, reach up to heaven, or ascend to heaven and access that which would bless us. So the king of heaven came down and condescended and brought that which was inaccessible. Amen. And he brought it down to us so Amen. that now we could have it and, and live with him in eternity. And where would we be without that? Where would we be lost? So, we would so, be lost sheep without that. So therefore, let us trust him and let us, <laughs> let us receive what he has generously given. Yeah, amen. Absolutely. Well, I think, I think that's uh, a good place to, to sign off. Uh, before we do sign off, though, we want to thank the ministry of South Paris Baptist Church. We want to thank the, the, the technical work of Caleb Lynch on production. We want to thank uh, Aaron Darrell, uh, musician. And one of his songs is featured at the very uh, introduction of, of this podcast. And also to you, the listener. Uh, all, all of these things come together to make this a what we hope is a genuinely fruitful conversation for many. Amen. And may the Lord's face shine upon you as he fills you with his peace and grace, and bless you with his heavenly blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.